Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Doug Thorpe, who is an entrepreneur, thought leader, and coach. Doug, how you doing? Hey, I'm great, Timmy. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. And as you know, we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you'd like to do for fun, that'd be great. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, a little bit about myself. I'm a... a former army officer, banker, entrepreneur, and now coach, trying to help people uh, find their way to uh, live a dream, live their passion, and and connect with their sense of purpose in this world. Um, for fun, I am a rabid college football fan. I, um, I go in ebbs and flows when the season's over. I'm a <laughs> sad guy but when it comes back i'm all in of course i just got through the college world series baseball and loved that i got you i got you and so not just college football are you college sports in general like would you watch yeah yeah i would say college sports in general i feel you i feel you okay so former army officer banker entrepreneur now your coach primarily helping people connect with their sense of purpose and live their dream life yeah well, and to be a little more specific, what, what my passion is, is helping people elevate their ability to be a leader in whatever situation they're in, whether that's owning a company or uh, being a better community citizen, leading, you know, a, a volunteer effort, nonprofit, whatever. I think uh, I have a personal view that what the world needs now more than anything is solid leadership. I think we've been failed by the people in so-called leadership positions. And uh, it's not a political statement. It it covers all waterfronts. I, I just think we need to get back to some good old-fashioned uh, heartfelt leadership. And I think with this society will be a lot better off. And I like to do whatever I can to help people figure out what that can mean and how they can step up and be that guy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And what would you say is the uh, most fundamental thing about leadership that every kind of leader needs to know from beginner all the way to advanced and experienced? This is going to sound real basic, but I think the first thing to understand is leadership is a thing. Um, People think about becoming a manager and they think that means leadership and it doesn't. Um, there's a big difference between being a manager of something and being a leader of something and uh, getting over that initial hurdle of understanding and agreeing that leadership is a thing that you can work on, you can study. I know there's a lot of debate about are leaders born or bred. You know, there's you go to some universities and there's uh, raging debates about that subject. And I am thankful for the fact that I think leaders can be taught. You can learn how to be a better leader. You don't have to be born that way. 
And um, it's, it's a matter of making a commitment and taking the plunge and figuring out what that looks like. I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. Let's go ahead and jump more into your motivation. I know you've touched on it a little bit, but what really gets you up and keeps you going? Well, <clears throat> I, I'm a long-suffering servant leader. I, um, I realized at a really early age, I enjoyed being able to serve wherever I was. And um, I was a Cub Scout and Boy Scout at an early age, and, and it was a great fit for me in day they didn't have to teach me how to go do volunteer work and do service projects. I naturally gravitated that way. And it was uh, something that just, I became really passionate about and enjoyed doing. And as I went through my schooling and my um, military training, I, I learned that servant leadership was a real thing. And that was one version of being a leader. And it, it was just a natural fit for me. I was blessed with a lot of great opportunities to lead things in school and through college and on into my career life. So it, it, for me, it, it has been sort of a natural progression. It's not something I, I just jumped into and figured out. But um, it, it's, it's been a blessing and, and a real, you know, fun part of my life to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So even though it's kind of something that you've stepped into over time, gradually, you would say that kind of intent of being a servant leader has kind of always been there. Yeah. My wife kids me today. I was uh, back in my day in elementary school, the kids got to be crossing guards and we had uh, bandanas and badges, and we had these poles, you know, you, you stop the traffic and you let the other kids cross. And it was a real honor to be on that crossing guard detail. And uh, that was my aspiration. I want to be captain of the crossing guards. And, and I was. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I love it. Well, awesome. I have a quick question about servant leadership. I feel like... Um, you know, you said that leaders can be grown, they can be developed. And I also think that the point at which we are most fulfilled in our life is when we are serving other people that we care about. So my question to you is, is there some aspect or could there be some aspect of servant leadership in everybody's life? Absolutely. And I, I think where that meant excuse me, where that comes out is in the, in the idea of if, if you get involved in the community, maybe you coach a little league team or you do a service project of some sort, maybe it's through your church or, you know, your religious organization, whatever that may be, maybe it is a nonprofit. If you step up to get involved and, and, serve in that capacity, you are demonstrating a, a kind of a servant leadership. And um, I, uh, uh, I think about that. I just recently went through baseball season with my grandkids, my, my grandsons, and my oldest grandson had a gentleman be his coach, and he was an amazing little league coach. I mean, he just was magic. Yeah. And the kids grew, and I'm talking eight and nine-year-olds, okay, uh, or I'm sorry, seven and eight-year-olds. They, um, 
these kids learn how to play real baseball under this guy's leadership. And he made it fun. He didn't, he didn't work them to death with weird practices and extra effort. And guess what? They went undefeated and won the tournament championship at the end, you know, yeah, 17 and Oh, and that's a, you know, that's a big deal in baseball. And, um, but this guy was such a perfect picture of calm, committed, vision-based, purpose-based leadership. It, it was just fabulous to watch. I love it. You know, I was, um, when I was younger, I would look at professional kind of sports teams and I'd ask myself, why do they even need a coach? Like these guys have been doing this their whole life. They're so skilled. They have the knowledge. Why do they need a coach? And then kind of growing up, experiencing life a little more, there are just some intangibles that leadership, that good leadership creates and bad leadership lacks. I think those intangibles are, it's the differentiator between those really great sports teams because they have a great coach and then the sports teams that aren't doing so well because, you know, the coach, the head isn't doing too hot himself. So can you speak to that a little bit? Some of the intangibles, like, I feel like it has a lot to do with the overall team morale, team confidence, and that kind of mindset piece that a leader can influence for the people they're leading. Great question. <clears throat> and, and yes, and I'll, I'll use my little league example because it, it even fits in some of the biggest businesses that I've ever had a chance to work with. When a leader takes time to figure out what they've got and in, in, in the people around them and really does a good assessment of skills, abilities, mindset, heart, all of that, and then aligns that for the execution of the game, so to speak, um, that's when you start seeing magic happen. And to use my little league example, this, this coach we had, he made his own judgment of the skills that the kids came to the season with. And, and for some of them, quite frankly, it wasn't that good. I mean, my grandson was, he was two years into it and, but he was still struggling and he didn't understand the dynamics of certain positions and, you know, how to play the game, but he could throw, he could catch reasonably well, but um, through a process, this coach figured out some things and started placing all of the boys in key positions, you know, on the diamond, but he made early picks on who could, who could have success at a position and feel good about playing there. But then what was interesting in the short course of the, of the uh, season, he actually then moved them around to give them new experience that they could see the game from another position, another location on the field, and learn some more dynamics of how to play. Did they make mistakes along the way? You bet. You know, they, they dropped some balls or threw to the wrong base or did some things like that. But as a good leader would do, he didn't get upset. He didn't get mad at them. He just, he went and coached them. He said, okay, was that the best thing to do there? You know, would, maybe you should have thrown it to first base instead of back to second, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, it was just a, a thing of beauty. And I, and I think a, 
servant leader will spend a long time making those same kind of assessments. They'll, they'll try to really figure out what makes their people tick and they'll try to create alignment of position and opportunity to maximize the potential that he's got. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. And I think that is um, such a good way to describe it. Like that is servant leadership, right? Aligning the opportunity with who is like best equipped and best like um, their self-concept is like, this is where I need to be. When you can get that, create that alignment of self-concept, objective and vision, I feel like uh, people take off, you know? Oh, they do. They do. And, and it happens in business too. When, when a leader does a good job of assessing the skills and abilities on, on his team um, and, and then gives those people those opportunities to excel, he can still move people around and cross train and, you know, develop some more talent, help people grow in their position. If, if, if you know a little bit about this over here, how about learning something of that over there? And now you've got a much bigger understanding of what needs to be done and you've just created value. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, awesome. Now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. Tell us about your vision for your coaching business and the rest of your life. Well, that's a great question. I have a near-term goal that I've launched out on this year for 2022. I have created a, uh, what I call the best boss challenge. When you think about business, there, there's a popular phrase among HR people that says people join companies, but they quit bad bosses. And uh, I've got this challenge on my website for uh, people who are in a management role to raise their hand and say, I'm in, I, I want to work to be a better boss. I don't want people around me quitting because of what I'm doing. I want to be one of those better bosses. And my goal for this year is 10,000 managers. I love it. Come through the challenge. That's the, that's the short-term goal. 10,000 managers in the best boss challenge. And what does that challenge entail? It, it's a, a little bit of training and a little bit of framework just to challenge yourself to rethink how you look at your job. See, one thing I talk about, we have a strange tradition in modern business when we have a need to create a, or fill a supervisory job. We go look out in the office or on the shop floor and we pick our best producer to be the new supervisor and most of the time we probably just messed up our good producer yeah <laughs> but occasionally they make it and they do okay and they figure some things out and if they have success guess what they get promoted again yeah. and two or three more promotions all of a sudden they maybe have responsibility for 50 100 200 people but they've never yet started figuring out what leadership is about. They're just doing management things. They're setting deadlines and pushing buttons and cracking whips and things like that. And none of that has anything to do with leadership. And next thing you know, they get up to a level where the company, if it's big enough, the company's saying, no, we want leaders. We, we need leaders at this level. And the guy's going, nobody ever told me what that is. Yeah. 
And, and that's usually where I get a call as an executive coach. They said, Hey, can you come in and fix this guy? And it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, okay, I'll, I'll talk to him. Sure. But you know, fixing is not what he needs. He just needs some training and, and some exposure to what leadership is really all about. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So 10,000 managers in the best boss challenge. What are some other dreams and goals that you have? Well, I, I want to keep expanding what I'm doing and the message I've got about growing leadership. And, you know, I, I appreciate you asking the question. I, I guess if I really gave you a simple answer, I'd say, let's turn 10,000 into a hundred thousand and then maybe a million one day. You know, that would be my idea because I just love being able to help business people, whether you own a small company or you're CEO of Exxon Mobil, I want to help you try to figure out how to be a better leader. Yeah. Because leadership is a lifelong journey. You never arrive at a destination. You never cross a goal line as a leader. You, you need to keep growing about the time you figure out one thing there's going to be something else that you'll have an opportunity to grow into. And uh, I think, I think that's what people need to do. They need to get their game plan put together and start that journey. There we go. There we go. I love it. So we got 10,000 managers immediately in the best boss challenge, ultimately impacting a million leaders and just expanding uh, your message about growing leadership. Right. Right. There we go. Well, if there were one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards impacting that million leaders, who would they be and how would they do it? Oh man, that's a, you're, you're full of great questions, man. Um, <laughs> Thank you. you know, um, I'm, I've, I will tell you, I'm, old enough and been around the sun enough times that I've had some great opportunities. I've met some amazing leaders in my life and I've worked with them. Uh, one guy I admire a lot and I have already met him and talked with him is John Maxwell. Uh, he's one of the most prolific writers and coaches, teachers of leadership. He's got some amazing dynamics and thoughts about what it means to be a leader. Um, I guess the next guy, I would like to meet is a guy named Marshall Goldsmith. I've read a lot of his material. I, <clears throat> I follow him on social media. Uh, he too is a great thought leader and has helped uh, thousands of leaders with, with their growth and their development. He would probably be the next guy I'd like to sit down with. There we go. Marshall Goldsmith. I've never heard of him actually. I'll have to go look him up. Yeah, depending on who you talk to, uh, John Maxwell and Marshall Goldsmith kind of run one and two on the list of most widely known and respected thought leaders in the area of modern day leadership. I mean, there's, you know, there's been some guys from the past that have come and gone. I mean, there was Stephen R. Covey, uh, uh, um, uh, golly. I just threw two blanks. I'm thinking of two guys. Oh, Zig Ziglar and uh, Brian Tracy. Um, you know, they, they, they all have some, some great material, but, um, you know, not with us anymore, but uh, their, their organizations still survive. They, in fact, I do some work with the Franklin Covey uh, coaching company. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm part of that family and never got to meet Stephen Covey, but uh, I have read all of his books. So, Yeah, I read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think probably his most well-known. It's the only one yeah, I knew. It is. It is. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. awesome. How about we name the most important one or two things that everyday people, we're talking Sally at the grocery store who's listening to this podcast right now, what she can do to help you accomplish your dreams. What she can do to help me. That's interesting. I, I can tell you where I'll go with that is without me even meeting her or knowing her, if she would make a pledge and anyone like her in, in her station in life, if she would make a pledge to find a mentor to help her grow and expand her ability to relate to people and interact with people. Um, I am a huge fan of mentorship. I was, uh, the story I tell everybody, I was raised the only child of a single mom. She had the wisdom to surround me with mentors at the earliest age. And I've got a long list of them that I reflect on every day of people that came into my life, taught me things, and 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 no one person taught me everything. There, you know, there was there was a thing here and a thing there. You know, one guy taught me how to be a woodworker, one guy taught me how to play golf, another guy how to fish, play tennis. Um, one guy served as my coach when it was time to start thinking about going out on dates and meeting the ladies. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Uh, there was a guy for that. And I have just been very bold in, in my life every, every year after that to search for mentors. And to this day, I'm, I'm soon going to be 70 years old, believe it or not. Um, and I still have mentors. I've got three guys right now that I count as mentors. One of them is uh, turning 80. Two of them are in their 90s, but they're still they're still clicking. They're still sharp uh, yeah. and you just can't do anything, but respect them when you meet them and talk to them. They've, they've been around, they know a lot of things that I don't yet know. And so I rely on them for still talking to me to this day. I love it. You know, I'm a, I'm 23. <laughs> a lot of times I haven't been an adult for that long and it's easy to, really shrink my perspective. And then hearing you talk about that, like 70, still with mentors who are 80 and 90, I'm like, oh man, I really need to kind of lengthen my perspective, which I assume happens naturally kind of as you grow. But um, yeah, it's just a good reminder. So make a pleasure. Well, here, here's the deal. Let me tell you a quick secret about that. If you identify somebody that is in your community, you know, in, in your neighborhood or whatever, and, and you think, I bet they could really help me don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Most people, if they've got any ounce of humanity in their heart, they'll be honored that you asked Absolutely. and they'll figure something out to help you. And it may only be for a season. It may only be, you know, a couple of weeks at a time or something like that, but anything you can do, um, anything they can do to help you because you ask, they more like more likely than not, they will step up and they'll be happy to do it. Absolutely. Get out of your comfort zone and make the ask. 
Yeah, make the ask. That's right. Love it. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And the first question is, what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Book, movie, or podcast? Hmm. <clears throat> well, well, I guess I'm going to go back to my reference to John Maxwell for a book. <clears throat> one of his most famous books is called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Yep. And 21 sounds like a long list, but it is a fascinating read because it's not just a list of topic areas, but it's a real deep dive into the, the substance, substance and meaning of each one of those areas. And he, he spins them in a, you know, in a good way that helps you remember things like there are principles of leadership you need to know about. What I like about his 21 laws is that last time I checked, there's about 160,000 books on leadership on Amazon. And you could make an effort to go read all of them. And what's going to happen, you're going to get a list by every author. They've got some checklist or some tricky way to describe leadership. And they're not wrong. It's just one guy's opinion. But when you really think about what does it take to be effective in this thing we call leadership, there is a framework. There are some things you have to master to be able to do it. And it might be different for everybody. And I love the way John teaches his 21 laws. He says, take this list, check off however many you can that you think you're okay, you're, you're already doing, you somehow learned how to do. Now go pick two or three that are going to give you the best value now and give you that big bounce up for right now where you are. That's still going to leave six, eight, or maybe 10 more on the list. Well, that's what you work on later. Yeah. You know, you, you come back to those things later after you've mastered the two or three that you pick right now. And I, I love that methodology of, of, trying to build a personal leadership development plan. Now, real quick for entertainment on the books, I'm i I'm a John Grisham fan. I love his, his law novels. <laughs> John Grisham. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> that, that That's the entertainment part. You know, I read a book by John Maxwell. I actually listened to it, an audible version of it. And I'm pretty sure it was today matters. Yeah. And within like the first 10 minutes of that book, I realized I need to read more of this man's books because he said something that absolutely just kind of changed my mind. It's easy to wake up and like kind of think negatively, if that makes sense. I think especially a lot of us built a habit of it when we were kids unconsciously because of how our life was or whatever it may be. And it's a habit you have to kind of break down and fight a little bit. And I was struggling with that. And in Today Matters, <laughs> he was talking about asking somebody, did you have a good day today? And they would say no. And he's like, well, what does a good day look like? And they'd be like, I don't know. He's like, well, how are you going to have a good day if you don't know what a good day looks like? And it was just that question that <laughs> I was like, man, I need to listen to this man some more. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. Well, he's amazing, and, and he's all over YouTube. There's all kinds of videos of his presentations of things. And one of the fascinating things about following him is that um, he's written something like 
Well, last count I know about is 28 books. Well, that's a lot of books. If you've ever tried to write a book, I've done five and I think I'm done. I, I don't think I have another one in me, you know, maybe I do, but he's done 28. And, and there's a, there's a trick that a lot of authors that look like they're doing a lot of work, what they do, they'll take some ideas and they'll just kind of keep squeezing the juice out of them. And they'll do this book over here and then they'll do another book and another book. And when, if you read them all back to back to back, you're going to go, that's the same thing. I, I didn't, yeah. you know, that's nothing new in here. You just said it differently. I've read uh, 14 of John's books. I haven't read all of them yet, but I've, I've read, I think 14 is the number that sticks in my mind. He references some things out of his books, but he doesn't regurgitate. I mean, he goes on with new stuff. I mean, every one of them is a whole, you know, learning in, in and of itself. It's, it's an, it's an amazing gift and, uh, you know, great guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Well, awesome. What is one way you'd like to take care of yourself? One way I like to take care of myself. I am a kind of self-proclaimed deep thinker. I have to make time to get away and allow myself to think. And, you know, that, that might be taking a walk around the neighborhood or it might be taking a drive in the country or uh, just turning everything off and sitting in my favorite chair for a little while, you know, yeah. <clears throat> but um I can feel it when I haven't allowed myself enough of that time to have some of that deep thought. Um, I, if I don't do that, I really feel the, you know, the, the joints are starting to come apart and <laughs> the hinges start to rattle a little bit. And I got to go do that to kind of get back into center. I love it. Uh, yeah. Deep thinking is, there was this quote I recently heard. It's like 2% of people think, 3% of people think that they think and 95% of people would rather die than think. <laughs> and so, wow. Okay. <laughs> Hadn't heard that, but um, I guess quick reflection on experience. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, when you see how people are like living their lives and you ask them questions and they don't ever really go deep with people, I don't know if it's quite 95%, but it's a good chunk of society that just kind of avoids hard things. Well, you know, and, and there's a lot of debate. We've allowed ourselves to be overcome with some of the technology and that's at, at some level, it's just a lot of noise and clutter yep. and you've got to get intentional about what you want to accomplish in this life to, and, and peel some of that away, turn it off, shut it down, step away. And uh, uh, that's the only way you're going to be able to, focus on some of those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet Marshall Goldsmith? Is he, is he alive? Yeah, he's alive. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I have sent a letter to one of his um, associates that I happen to know. I, I met the man a couple of years ago in Austin, Austin, Texas, and um, uh, he and I have exchanged communication once or twice a year for the last couple of years. So I won't say we're big friends, but I have written him a letter and asked 
how does one go about doing that? And I'm, I'm still kind of waiting on the, the answer for that. Gotcha. <laughs> there we go. And we have our final series of questions now. I should give these a name. It used to just be one last question, but I've kind of expanded it since then. And they require a bit of pretext, so stick with me on it. All okay. Right? Okay. So a lot of people have come on the podcast and they've said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change. The catalyst that helps people make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree, disagree, have anything to add or subtract? Agree 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. I love it. Well, awesome. On that note, the next question is, given that same amount of extreme inspiration or extreme desperation, why do you think some people make the choice to change and others don't? I think a great deal has everything to do with the programming we receive when we're younger. And uh, I love the idea of being able to be curious. It's been talked about in some popular venues lately. Um, there's a great scene in the, in, the, in the beautiful news show, Ted Lasso, where he talks about being curious. And um, what happens is, and, and I've, I've really tuned in on this, watching my grandkids grow, when they're real little, you know, everything is, is a new awakening. It's a, it's a new event. It's, it's dazzling. It's exciting because they're curious. So, you know, they're looking at things and they're picking things up and asking questions. They're, they're just naturally curious somewhere along the way, school system or family situation or otherwise that gets squeezed out of us. We stop being curious you know, we're told, sit down, be quiet, Uh, stop that, don't, you know, don't go there, get out of there, come back here, and we're just programmed to no longer be curious, it's, it's not rewarding, it's not fun, it's not, uh, it's not allowed, maybe, in some situations, and I think that's horribly a shame, and I think if, um, people as they get older and they have those moments of needing to make that decision if they if they can agree that whatever programming they're living under they'll step away from that and be curious again ask themselves the question what if what if i went and did that what if i quit that job and moved to a new city yeah what if you know what if 100 percent and I think when you start getting curious, you realize, man, I live in such a small portion of the world. And I think in such a small manner, and I've been stuck in my routine, stuck in this, and there's so much out there, something that, uh, you know, I just, I would say I'm a pretty open-minded, curious person. And let me tell you, every day, there's somebody I talk to that I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that existed, <laughs> like, even remotely. So I think that is a really good point to just be curious. Nice, nice. I like it. I like it. Let's go to our next question, which is some people need a small amount of desperation or inspiration to change 
and others need a larger, more consistent amount. Now we might be echoing our last answer here, but what do you think establishes that breaking point, that threshold of how much inspiration or desperation you need, you need and how long you need it? And can it be influenced? Well, that's a great combination of scenarios. And, and what I'm inclined to tell you on the one hand, sadly, and I'm old enough to say I've witnessed this, some people never make that change. They get locked in with whatever desperate path they've gotten themselves on, and they just decide that that's all there is. I'm, I'm doomed. I'm destined for this. And I'll, real quickly, I'll tell you how I saw this in such big dimensions. In 2008, when we had the last big financial crisis, and companies were shutting down and unemployment went up to like 15%. I started a nonprofit organization to help people that were in career transition. We, we tried to provide encouragement, coaching, resources, and things to help them. And over a, a several year period, we coached over 4,500 people. Let me tell you a quick story. When I looked at that population, I'm an old banker, so I'm a numbers guy, and there were things about the numbers that were important to me. And at one point, I, we had had several hundred come through the program, and I wanted to know how successful are we in helping people. So I wanted to know how many people found jobs. That was the goal. That was the thing. And I looked at my numbers, and it came out 66% found jobs, and I thought I had failed. I said, 66, that means 33% or they're not finding jobs. They're, you know, they're not getting it. They're not. So we're failing. And very long story short, I got to digging into the numbers and looking at the names on each of the lists I had. What I discovered was on that 33% that did not find jobs, most of the people were stuck in their view of life. They didn't want to change anything. They had actually come to my program and argued with us about the stuff we were trying to teach them to do. You know, here's the modern way to write a resume. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not how I did it 20 years ago. Where I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Well, guess what, dude? That's the way it works now. We know this. We've got recruiters telling us this. Here's what you need to do. No, I'm not going to do that. Well, they're stuck. They're not willing to change, and they have just – Mentally and emotionally, they've locked into this desperate path they're on. And you're not, a stick of dynamite won't make them change. There's no, no dose of desperation that's going to do it. And it's sad, but those people, if I'm making a, a very general statement, what they really need is they need to go see a counselor. And they need to really do a deep dive into why do you think that way? Why are, have you given up? And I can't, I, that's not the kind of work I do. I, I can't, I can't help them at that level. Yeah. But the other 66%, I had half of that. They were quick to change, man. Show me the way, show me what's the new deal. That's that. Okay. I'm done. Boom, I'm going. But then there was a middle third that was kind of like, well, okay, I'll try it out and maybe, okay, well, all right, I get it. And, and you know, with a little nudging, they, they would have success. So it was a third, a third, and a third. I feel that. I feel that. So it's like 
you know, that, that threshold, it can be influenced, but for some people, they're just not going to make that choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly why I ask this next question. <laughs> so um, think about that person who, you know, that third, that was just like, I'm not doing it. I'm fighting you on what you say is best. Really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to change. So keep that person in mind as I ask this. In Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior. And the laws are to make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. With that context in mind, and the person that I just talked about, how can we, me and you, create an environment that makes it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying for people to make the choice for that person in your head to make the choice that will change their life. And I want to kind of put some more pre-con or some more context behind this. Easy doesn't necessarily mean it's easy to do. It means that it's easier than staying the same, if that makes sense. So more attractive than staying the same, more easy than staying the same, more satisfying than staying the same. Oh boy. Again, great question. I, my, my quick answer being very transparent and off the cuff. Uh, I will tell you after trying it hundreds of times with the population I served over there, there are some, it doesn't matter what you try there. They are so incredibly stuck in that rut. And I'm a kind of a common sense, generally no nonsense kind of guy. And I would try to talk to him. I would start with, but you don't have a job. You just lost your job. You know, how are you going to live if you don't get out there and do what you need to do? And that wasn't a motivator. Yeah. That wasn't a motivator. And uh, they would eventually start telling stories about the trouble they had at their old job and the way the boss was so mean to them and didn't teach and everything. And I'm like, oh, no, that that boss was not the wrong guy here. You're yeah. talking about the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, if, you know, if you showed up at work the way you're showing up for me right now, I know why you lost your job. Well, I know why you got put on the short list to go out the door. 100 percent you know, I know exactly what you're talking about so sadly I, I think there are those you're going to run into that are like that however let me kind of redeem this moment here i couldn't do what i do if i didn't want to try to help those people nonetheless even though i've had all those experiences when i run into somebody like that i still try to do what you're talking about there show them a new view, show them a different way to look at things, show them maybe the easy way, easier way, and try to see if, if they can't come around on the, on the issue, whatever it is. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah, it is. Um, it's hard because we can't make the choice for them. All we can do is no. sculpt the environment. And I think what's even harder is, you know, earlier I talked about extreme inspiration, extreme desperation. We can't morally create extreme desperation in a safe environment for people. No, no. 
I think if we could figure out a way to morally do that, it would we would see much higher success because desperation is much more motivating than inspiration. Like inspiration is like, oh, I feel good. And then next week I'm back in my old habits. Whereas like yeah. desperation is like gun to my head type of thing. I'm going to live if that makes sense. And so I don't know. <laughs> I I wish there was a moral way to do that, but there's just really not. <laughs> so No, it's, um, you know, it is, is, as the old saying says, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You can, you can do everything you can to try to influence somebody, share something, share a new idea, share a new thought, new opportunity. And um, the, the one way I got around most of that with the few that did turn the corner was to encourage them when they started their job search to not think about the job, but really spend some time reconnecting with their sense of purpose. You know, why are you here? You're not an accident. You know, why are you here? What do you think you can really do in this world? And I had a number of people that ended up going 180 degrees opposite of where they had been job wise because they spent the time they reconnected with their true sense of who they were and what they were about. And, um, then they could, they could refocus and create a desire to go somewhere. And that shows up in the interview. I mean, your, your spirit and your energy and all that shows up at the interview. And if you're down going, Oh, okay, well, what's the next question? You know, well, that's not a good interview. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm right there with you. They talk about how sales is like a transfer of energy and in an interview, you're essentially selling yourself. And so Same you thing. That yeah, that's right. Again, you'll transfer it. That's right. I love it. Well, awesome. Doug, is there anything else you want to chat about? Any more save the world questions that you have? <laughs> well, 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 I'm inclined. You said you're 23. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'll give you some context on these questions, right? So I have two goals in life. Um, the first is financial freedom for myself and my family. Financial issues have been a struggle for us for a minute now. And I've learned some information where I'm like, wow, it really doesn't have to be that way. It just doesn't. And so that's uh, goal number one. Goal number two is raising the standard of living across the world to middle-class America, which is a much bigger goal. Probably one that won't be achieved in my lifetime, but I would love to create systems and leave a, an impression on 1 billion people such that the systems are carried out to do it. And plus, there are a lot of people already going after that goal. So maybe it is achieved in my lifetime. That 1 billion won't be as hard to reach. It's more about getting connected with the people who are doing that in the space. and. Yeah. I want, I think I lack knowledge of what is actually stopping it from being the case, but I do think some of it is people not changing. Like there's just ways that kind of society works and you have to be willing to add value in order to receive value. And you have a lot of people who just grew up and were taught incorrectly and now they're kind of stuck in those ways and then they struggle as adults and then they turn around and teach their kids. So it's kind of a trap, which is why I ask these questions. How can we create an environment that causes that person to kind of make the choice that will change their life. Cause I think that's the biggest barrier I'm going to run into. I'm like, money's not really an issue. Resources aren't really an issue. It's more about like corrupt politics in certain countries. And then people at the bottom 
not being willing to change, not being willing to take ownership over their life, kind of having a victim mindset when they don't have to, right? That's not right. right. That's why I ask those questions. Those are the goals in my life. That's where I'm going. I want to hit financial freedom as soon as possible, which, you know, it takes some time. And yeah, you'll get there. Thank you. Thank you. Then spend the rest of my time going after that and learning why it hasn't happened and then making it happen. So those are my goals. That's great. Yeah. Sounds good. Yes, sir. Appreciate you asking. Awesome. Well, Doug, is there anything else you want to chat about? Mm, no, I think we've covered a lot of good ground. I, um, you know, just to kind of sum up my view of it is I, I do agree with you on, uh, even on part of your goal. I, I think we've got some systems and environmental, um, situations and by environment, I don't mean the climate, but I mean the structure of different institutions that, um, are, are working against the masses being able to realize, you know, true fulfillment and, and becoming their best selves in, in whatever part of the world they're in. And, um, I like the idea of trying to work to break that down. I, for one, as I've, I've voiced here, I'm, I'm starting at the top of the house with the leaders that are there or the people that should be leaders of those efforts. Um, I just want people to think long and hard about the definition of being an effective and impactful leader, step up, do the work to get there, and then go use it to, to make the greater good. There we go. And with how much influence leaders have, which we've talked about on this podcast, that is a great place to start for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. Doug, thank you so much for coming on the show. All right, Timmy. It's a pleasure, man. You got you got a great mission here, and uh, I applaud your work and hang with it. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Doug had to say, make sure to hit him up, reach out to him. Uh, the ways to contact him will be on the website. If you have any referrals to shoot his way, please send them because we need more great leaders. So we have more great organizations and great people. As we always ask, shoot this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message go ahead and give us a five-star review on itunes and we're out guys thanks for listening make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them if you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals make sure to check out the website workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media that's all i got have a blessed day